Welcome to the Optimal You podcast. This is pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 21 of the Ersfeld Pharmacy Optimal You podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. The goal of the Optimal You podcast is to have a discussion about different health topics that might be helpful to you in your journey to becoming the Optimal You. If you listen all the way to the end of the podcast, I have a special offer for you as a gift for taking the time to listen. Today's guest is Bishop Austin Vetter. Before we start our visit with Bishop Vetter, I need to let the listeners know that this podcast provides general information and a discussion about health and health-related subjects. The information provided is in this podcast is not intended or should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. I'm going to give you a little better, bit of background on our guest, uh, Bishop Vetter, uh, also known as Austin Anthony Vetter, was born in Linton, North Dakota on September 13, 1967 to August and Loretta Vetter. He's the youngest of 12 children and was raised on a farm and educated in the Linton public school system. After graduation, he attended North Dakota State University and Cardinal Minch Seminary in Fargo, North Dakota. After receiving his Bachelor of Arts degree in philosophy, he studied at the Pontifical North American College um, in Rome, Italy, where he later served as Director of Spiritual Formation. He was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Bismarck on June 29, 1993. His first assignment was at the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit, and he taught religion at St. Mary's Central High School in Bismarck from 1994 to 1999. In um, North Dakota, he served as pastor of St. Martin's Catholic Church and Center uh, at St. Patrick's Church, my church in Dickinson. That's where we've got to meet uh, Bishop Vetter. Um, at St. Leo the Great in Minot and as rector of the Cathedral of Holy Spirit in Bismarck. Um, he also served as a director of spiritual formation at the North American College in Rome, Italy as well. And then on October 8th, 2019, what a beautiful day. He was announced as Pope Francis's choice to serve as Bishop of the Diocese of Helena, Montana. He was ordained and instilled in Helena's, as Helena's 11th Bishop on November 20th, 2019. So big, big resume, and I even had to chop that down a little bit, Bishop. Thanks for uh, joining, joining me on the podcast. Uh, it's great to be with you. I didn't uh, obviously write my own little bio there. Someone else did, so... Uh, they remembered more of the details than I would have. So it's great to be with you again, Steve. Yeah. It's been too long. So yeah, it has been. It's it's good to call you a, a close friend. And um I've I've been wanting to do this podcast for a while. So I'm glad that you obliged me and we're going to um drop it or it's gonna pu be published on our podcast uh, the week of Holy Week. So kind of fitting. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. So I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, um, from the health perspective, um, kind of visit a little bit about mind, body, and spirit. I know that we um, we talk a lot about the body in, in my profession. Um, we don't get a whole lot into the mind and the spirit. So I kind of wanted you to kind of elaborate elaborate on how that, um, how you utilize that in your life, I guess. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And I think you know, it's so important. We, we live in such a, a society now uh, in this 21st century where we divide everything out. You know, there's so many silos. You know, we study the mind, we study the body or 
uh, talk about spirituality, but we're one person. So that even though it's helpful to divide things out, one thing affects the other. So our mental health affects our physical health and our spiritual health and vice versa. And uh, I think a lot of times uh, we can forget that uh, there are three legs of the stool and that if you take one of them away or don't give it enough attention, the stool e either is quite wobbly or you just, it, it can't stand, you know, and we can sometimes think, well, I'm, I have to strengthen this leg of this stool, but if the other leg isn't present or is weak, it doesn't matter how strong you make the other one. You can try to overcompensate, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. And so um, I think it's so important to see that our whole pot, our whole person needs attention, uh, our physical health, our mental health, emotional health, but also our spiritual health. Um, it, it makes a huge difference. And where I see it the most is uh, when people are uh, maybe when they're terminally ill or when they have a serious illness in the hospital, uh, different questions arise. Uh, and so even though the physical attention is being given and they're trying to relieve the suffering as much as we can and uh, we're giving them the emotional support and all those things, but they're starting to ask bigger questions. They're asking the bigger questions about what happens after this life. And how can I bring meaning to this suffering I'm going through? And how am I preparing myself for the next life? And uh, so that's where the spirituality and our spiritual lives uh, get much more heightened um, and, and need more attention. I really noticed that during COVID, um, when initially they weren't wanting priests to come in uh, to hospitals, uh, when people were in there with uh, serious illnesses or with COVID, and... Um, I just begged our priests and they were very generous. They put hazmat suits on them basically. And, and, uh, but they went in uh, to anoint and it was so important to them uh, to have that spiritual uh, consolation and that spiritual journeying with them so that they wouldn't be isolated and alone. So I think Pope Francis was right that COVID has revealed, revealed to us some, some gaps between the body, mind, and spirit mm -hmm. that uh, if we just, are giving attention to two of them or one of them um, during a pandemic, they all show. And I, I think, uh, you know, I think it did reveal that. And, um, and so I think anything that we can do, not only as a pharmacist, but any walk of life of seeing the whole person and, and not just uh, one part of them. I kind of like that. I like the holistic um, it, it is really holistic is what we're what we're looking at when we when, when you're talking about that. Um, I always have used the 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 stool analogy in my business in in kind of silos of of different aspects of it and how do we keep those all balanced. but i I haven't uh, heard it in the mind body spirit. so that's a great way to think about that is um, the the stool analogy. so so back in the day and I I don't know we probably go back. 23 years maybe yeah we used to we used to work out a little bit together you and i were were workout partners um right you got me started yeah. you know my workout before that was just working on the farm but <laughs> well, you, steve and i we, we started he got me on a workout regimen and uh that's when we used to go and do deadlifting and squats and yep. you had me sick a few times sitting on the back steps with Yep. All dry and dizzy. And I remember genuflecting coming into mass one Sunday <laughs> after we had done lunges and squats and deadlifts. 
and I genuflected and almost face planted on the front step. I couldn't get back up without holding on. Uh, my legs were rubber. Yeah, so, uh, the, the old uh, used to always say, I think I'm going to have to have the altar servers hold up my hands because my arms are so tired. That's right. I like that. Those were, those were some good times. We had we had good workouts back in the day. They um, were. But I, I think that, you know, when we think about that, that once again, mind, body and spirit, I mean, we routines for you are are um, when I look back and I, I, you know, after visiting with you and talking about you and your routines and how you walk every day, that's like a big part of your routine. And it's like you don't miss that. I mean, kind of talk about about having that as a routine and maybe um, elaborate into like prayer life, your routine and your prayer life. I remember how it started. I was at the cathedral, brand new priest, 25 years old. And I asked the pastor at the time, Father Kramer, uh, what should I do for Lent? You know, what what should I do now? I'm a priest. I was a seminarian before. And he said, why don't you walk the the, the boundary, the, the perimeter of our parish boundaries where most of our parishioners live? Uh, go for a walk each morning and pray the rosary for him. He said, I've been doing it for years, ever since I had open heart surgery. <laughs> he said, try it. So I did it for Lent every day. I walked for a half hour and prayed the rosary for the people entrusted to my care. And I've never stopped. And it's been a great barometer um, that if I skip walking and I've skipped it, you know, for a week, I know something's not in balance. Maybe I have too much on my schedule. Maybe I'm not getting to bed early enough. Maybe I'm not getting enough rest, uh, a good restful sleep. Maybe there's too much on my mind. Uh, so it's been a great barometer over 30 years as a priest. This summer, I'll be a priest 30 years. And uh, so I've been walking for 30 years. And it's it's uh, just been a great little thermometer to check my temperature of uh, how I'm doing. And it's not just my physical uh, well-being, but also my spiritual life and my uh, my mental health, emotional health. Um, that it, it's been a great barometer for me. And I think... Um, what I love about it, it's always quiet. And in North Dakota, it's not windy, usually, even if it's cold. <laughs> um, but even if it's cold, I bundled up and would go out. But it was a, a nice, quiet time uh, to take in nature. Uh, it's one of God's, uh, you know, God's creation is, is such a powerful uh, tool that he has to show us that we're his creatures and that he cares for us. And there's such a mystery when you look at the snow and the wind and all that stuff on how it's all working as part of God's plan. And here I am walking in it. And how do I fit into this plan? Um, so I think uh, that's been a huge thing. Uh, other than that, when I each day is I start my day with uh, holy hour. So I spend try to spend 60 minutes in quiet meditative prayer um, before I celebrate mass and before the day starts. And uh, that's one of the most privileged moments of my day every day. And uh, the most important part, because it's to try to live this true living relationship with the person of Jesus, that he's a real person, I believe, and that I can actually know this person and love him and serve him and get to hear his voice and he hears mine and to really relate with him as a real person, not as someone up in the sky far away, but he's right here uh, with me and uh, for me. And uh, growing, it, it takes that daily time to hear his gentle voice. Um, but you begin. And that that's my encouragement to all your listeners is uh, you don't have to start with 60 minutes. Start with three. 
just three minutes with everything turned off. Um, I remember when I taught high school, I would challenge them for Lent to uh, the students that I taught high school. I told them, I challenge you when you wake up in the morning, don't turn anything on. Don't turn on the radio. Don't turn on your, you know, don't hit your cell phone now and play a playlist, but stay in your own silence and see what happens. And many of us in silence, we don't like it because all sorts of stuff bubbles up. And so I think that silent time is so important to hear what's happening in me so that I can bring who I am to Jesus and he can talk to me, not someone I'm trying to be or hope to be or wish I was, but this is who I am and uh, to bring myself to him as I am. That's awesome. You know, I, I um, recently, uh, Father Josh Eli did a, uh, a mission at Queen of Peace, and one of his things was he encouraged everybody to get up in the morning and spend 15 minutes of quiet time with the Lord and get to know him. And I I think that, you know, and he, and he basically said, yeah, and I don't want you just to recite prayers. I want you to have a visit with him. You know, he's your rescuer. He elaborated um he rescued he's rescuing you from the devil every day mm-hmm. and you need to you need to have that conversation with him so i've been trying to do that i i uh, have enjoyed that i'm a i'm a morning person and i like to get my workouts in in the morning um but just just having that routine um pretty much sets a day up and it um it just it's a good it's good for us i think it's good for our souls so absolutely it is so um uh, one of, I guess, one of the things that. Um, so, what, what would you, you're, you're saying, three minutes a day is, is where, where a person should start. Um, what, yeah. what... Start wherever you're at. So, if you can start with three, start with five, start with fifteen. I think a big challenge that we have in our lives, not just with spiritual life or your, your the spirit, uh, but body, mind, and spirit, all of them. It's very easy to moor ourselves to death. I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. Well, what's more? So when someone says I should pray more. And I always say to him, well, what's more? Like, are you thinking of praying four hours more? Well, no, not four hours. Well, what's more? Three minutes is more. And I think if you can put something measurable. So if you're going to work out, I'm going to start working out. Well, wh- what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to work out. Well, how about you just say, I'm going to go for a 15 minute walk each day and start there, or I'm going to do 50 sit-ups or 25 push-ups, something that's measurable so that you can go back and say, okay, I said during Lent, I was going to do 25 push-ups. I don't do them. Okay. I got to lower it. How about 10? Right. But if I just put more out there, it really uh, allows uh, the evil one to uh, get us discouraged um, and says, we're not doing enough. We're not good enough. And then we get uh, turned inward and then we never do it because the evil one says, well, you don't have enough time today. Tomorrow you can start. No, I have time. I have three minutes today. And so I'll do the three minutes and because it's a real relationship. If you're busier than heck at the pharmacy and you don't have time to spend with Carolyn as much as you were hoping, three minutes during a lunch break where you can, she stops by and you can have coffee together and say, I have to run back in. Yeah, you can't just live on that the rest of your life. But during your busy season, it gets you through. Right. 
and then you get five minutes and then seven minutes and nine minutes and you just keep increasing it. And so it, when I treat it as a real relationship and look at my own physical relationships with people or my own, uh, you know, individual relationships, um, to, to use that as our stepping stone into the spiritual life of saying, well, yeah, I know that if I talk to my daughter on the phone for only five minutes, I would like to talk longer, but it's better than talking not at all. And if I check in with her every week for five minutes, that's better actually than checking in with her every year for an hour. Exactly. And so if you can, it's, it's that daily time is so important that daily time and the, the church, you know, the Catholic church obviously um, has always had that basic routine and rhythm as part of her life, you know, Sunday mass every Sunday that does something even though we might think I'm not getting anything out of it. But I always tell people, well, if I'm not going, I'm for sure not getting anything out of it. And so to be able to have, just like if I never go to the gym, I'll never experience the benefit. But if I go to the gym and only walk the track for 10 minutes, I'm getting something. And I'm, I'm it's not just about getting something, but, but in our consumeristic society, that's what we try to look at is, well, what am I going to get out of it? Well, with a friendship with Jesus, we get out way more than we put in. But I think using it for all three of your of your uh, legs of the stool, uh, what you're doing in the other two works for the third, and and vice versa. It takes time. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's interesting because I I kind of I don't know if I was in a rut, but I I was trying to simplify my workouts. So I I at the beginning of the year I'm just going to do. 30 seconds of jump, jumping jacks or jumping rope, um, 10 push-ups, um, 10 lunges, and then 10 sit-ups. I do that 10 times. And I've been doing that every other day since the beginning of the year. And it's amazing how what that does when it's it's a routine. And I it's not that big. I can be done in 25, 30 minutes if I need to. But it's it's not making it this hour and a half workout that um, I, I felt like maybe I needed to make it bigger. So I've, I've drug, drug one of my buddies on and he gets up and 6am, we do a FaceTime call and we work out together for a half hour and he, yeah, he's, uh, about 40, 42, I think. But his, his whole thing was, I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, back when I was 18, you know, you do a two and a half hour workout and then you come home and then you'd run three miles and it's like, no, 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 we don't have to do that anymore. Right. We're, we're not, we don't have the time to. Right. You know, that's the other exactly. thing. You just yeah. don't have the time to do it. Yeah. So, um, and Plus then, we're not eating that. We're not eating three bags of Doritos at night and, you know, hopefully a, a pizza. Yeah. Right. All right. yeah. A couple more beers than we should. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I, I have to work out three hours a day. Yeah. So, so have you, have you had, I know we talk about times of consolation and desolation. Have you had desolation in your spiritual life over the years? 30 years you've been a priest. I mean, are there yeah. been times when it hasn't been so good? Yeah, no, desolation is, is a part of life, you know, and uh, when we're in a desolation, when we're in a, a darker spot to remember that it wasn't always that, that there's consolation too. And I, when in desolation, I remember that there's consolation. And then when I'm in consolation, I have to also remember that there's desolation that comes. Uh, I like using the seasons. 
or, or even just our, our weather patterns, you know, uh, when it rains or this snow looks, it's a very different experience for someone who has to walk to school um, or to work than it is for the farmer who's waiting to plant seeds in the spring. Um, that for we can complain walking to work getting wet because I didn't have an umbrella. Uh, but the farmer down the street or a mile away outside of town, he's smiling saying, this is perfect. This is what we need. We need this spring rain so we get crops. And we can forget, we can be very forgetful of what God is doing to provide for us. So yeah, I get wet walking to work, but guess what? That means in July, I get to eat asparagus <laughs> and there's wheat for bread and our cattle have something to eat so that we have milk and beef and all sorts of things. And, and we can forget that there's a whole cycle uh, that we're a part of. And when we get too self-centered and too self-focused, we just think, poor me, I got wet today. But then we forget in July to thank them for getting wet in April so that we could eat our garden, you know, that, that, uh, that we have produce. And I think that's an easy way to look at it in our spiritual lives. If it's always just wet, if it's always consolation that, uh, when the storm comes, the roots didn't go deep. The, the dryness, if you look at a tree, huh? if it's always wet, evergreens are a great example, how huh? their roots are shallow. So you can see these huge evergreens and then there's a storm and the whole root system's torn out of the ground. You see this whole tree tipped over with the roots because it was, it was shallow. And then you have, you know, you have the oak, right? Or you have the cottonwood that's used to that dry stuff and the roots are going deeper and deeper. And there's a dang storm and that sucker doesn't come down, right? Because the roots are deep. And so in a real sense, um, Jesus, when he removes that consolation, he, it's not that he's abandoning us. He's there. But we don't want to just fall in love with the consolations of God. But we're going to fall in love with the God of the consolations. So the God who's doing it, the person of Jesus who's doing it, that's who we fall in love with, not the feelings we might get because of this relationship but it with the actual person, right? Just like marriage. You want to fall in love with the person of your wife, of Carolyn, and not just when she makes you feel good, right? Because if it's just when I feel good, then that can come and go. But if it's the person, then I have to take the good, the bad, you know, the easy, the, the hard, the, the fun, and the not so fun as part of it. It's part of a relationship. Uh, but I think that's when you look at, uh, in a sense, as Jesus deepens his relationship with us, we experience his closeness. And then he says, okay, now I'm going to hide. I want you to come look for me. I, I use this example. If I'm sitting in this room and uh, you come in and into this room and the door is locked and, and uh, there's a couple other rooms, uh, but they're all locked. And I leave to another room and I come back out and I can't find you. But I know you didn't leave. And uh, after a while, if it's a long time that I don't experience you, I start to doubt, were you actually in this room? Then I hear a little noise and I'm like, I know you're in here, Steve. And I even talk to you. I don't even feel like I'm abandoned. But I haven't found you yet. Um, and that's in a very real way. Jesus is in us. And that he's all around us. And when we don't experience him, he's saying, are you looking for me? 
are you looking for me or just my effects? Just what I can do for you, like a Santa Claus sort of God, rather than for me as a real person. And so he's trying to stretch us. Uh, to the, In Rome, they have a wonderful thing. They have the Jubilee where they, uh, there's a particular door in the major basilicas that's called a holy door. It's only opened every 25 years. Otherwise, you enter the church from all the other doors, and this one's bricked over. And every 25 years, that door is opened, and you walk through that door. And it's the church's way of saying, every once in a while, walk into your faith from a different angle, from a different doorway. When I'd walk into St. Peter's, I've walked into it in Rome so many times, and I was able to walk through the holy door once in my life as a priest. And coming in through that door, I had never seen the church from that angle. It was like a whole new church. And that's what Jesus invites us to, the church invites us to, is to walk in from another door. If it's been getting boring or dry or routine, to, to see that there's much more to God. We don't we know the smallest part of him uh, to let him show us other doorways into his wonderful life. That's a beautiful way to think about it. Thank you. Um, that kind of was leading into my, um, it was kind of a lead in. I don't know if that, that uh, fulfilled my question I was going to ask about, um, you know, people hurting, you know, or, you know, there's, there seems to be a lot of hurt in our society today, whether it's, you know, emotional, physical, financial, whatever, what, what, what kind of, um, advice do you give them as far as seeking out, you know, seeking out their relationship. I mean, what can they do? Yeah. Well, suffering suffering is a part of life. Uh, I remember Pope Benedict, um, God rest him, he had a wonderful line in his introduction to Jesus of Nazareth, a book that he had written. And uh, he was asked the question, he asked the rhetorical question. So what did Jesus bring? So it's been 2,000 years and, you know, of since Jesus came. And we still have war and famine and hardship and suffering and sickness. And he went through all these ailments of the world. And he said, so what has Jesus brought? What difference is it? What has he brought? And his answer was, he brought God. Jesus brought God into our mess. When Jesus, when, when God sent his only son uh, to take on the human flesh, to take on our humanity, God entered the mess. Not to take it away, but to go into it with us and to bring it meaning. So now it's not meaningless. Now it can actually be bring salvation. It can bring hope to the world on how we offer our sufferings with Jesus, that we don't do it alone. I was just talking to a bunch of young people about suffering. Suffering, suffering is not a neutral event. It either draws us closer to God and those we love, or it draws us further away. It's not neutral. And so it's kind of like a fire. If I'm cold physically, and I say, Steve, I'm cold. If I, if you'd say to me, Bishop, I'm cold. And I'd say, well, Steve, move away from the fire. You'd say, well, that seems like a bad idea. If I'm cold, I should go closer to the fire. Right. Well, so too with our suffering. It's very tempting then to pull away from God and from others and to isolate myself when just the opposite is what's needed. I got to go closer to him, got to go closer to others, more often to others, and not suffer it alone, 
and to say, I'm cold. Jesus, I'm cold. I'm going to come more often until I warm up. Um, but that goes against the grain of our humanity. Our, human, our fallen human nature says, just isolate yourself. You're, poor you. Suffer by yourself. Don't share it with your friends, with your family, with God. It's God has abandoned you, and so has everyone else. He obviously doesn't love you because look what he's making you go through. And that's just not true because Jesus was loved by his Father in heaven, and he still went through the cross. He still went through the cross uh, for us to show us that once original sin entered, there has to be an answer because now suffering entered. God never intended death. He never intended this suffering. But once we chose from our first parents onward uh, to go against God, well, then suffering and death and disease and all that enters, right? Um, enters in. But that's why even you as a pharmacist, Steve, you know, when you talk about the healing touch of Jesus, he uses you as a pharmacist, he uses doctors, he uses uh, psychologists, he uses priests and bishops, he uses all sorts of human instruments to bring his healing, right? And I'm sure you've experienced many times in your profession that uh, of how you were used to bring hope and healing, much more than just giving them the, the pills that they need. Maybe it's when you just sit down with them in your consulting room and listen for 15 minutes about their struggle. And they feel better even though they haven't even taken the pill yet. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It is it is um an honor to be able to use your profession as also a chance to um give people hope. Um that's that's kind of been one of our our taglines, I guess. We've always, you know, developed this trust with our patients and with that trust comes hope that they're going to get healing. And that's, that's really something that on my way to work every day when I, when I'm driving, I, I, I pray a little bit and then I always end it with um, uh, Archangel Raphael, use me as a vessel of healing. And, yeah. you know, I, I want to hopefully be that beacon of hope for people that are struggling. So Good for you. And it, it's huge. You know, I, I often say, I would often say the placebo effect is a very interesting thing that even to this day, right? They, they, when they test a new drug, there's always the placebos, the fake ones, you know, the sugar tablets. I don't know what they use, but yeah. it's not the medicine. And, but when they think they're taking the medicine, they get better. Um, and not everyone, mm -hmm. um, in a very real way, huh? We, we should see that, um, yes, medicine is very important, but in a lot of ways, we're the placebos that being a listening ear can bring more physical healing than we realize. And we might give credit to the antibiotic, um, but what, what do they say when you come in and you're sick? Wait 10 days or I'll give you an antibiotic and it'll take it away in 10 days. Right. But either way, normally the infection is going to go away in 10 days unless it's more serious, you know. And so in some ways we want to be cared for and uh, going to see the doctor or a pharmacist uh, and they give us that attention and care um, means more than just writing a prescription. It's amazing how many of them don't just call the doctor saying, 
just send it into the pharmacy and I'll go pick it up. No, the doctor wants to see you. The pharmacist doesn't mail it to you normally. He wants to see you. Um, that's why I'm not a big fan of mail order stuff. Because I think the personal uh, touch means a big deal. Um, it's kind of like texting, you know, texting you saying, how are you doing? I'm fine. That's very different than FaceTiming saying, you look a little pale. Yeah. yeah, I didn't sleep well last night. How come? Well, my knee hurts a lot. Well, but I've been giving you medicine for it. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be helping. Have you been taking it? No, not really. <laughs> Why not? I'm getting an upset stomach from it. Well, do you take it with food? No. Why not? Well, I get nauseous when I eat or my throat hurts. Well, maybe what's wrong with your throat? I don't know. It's been hurting for six months. Now, all of a sudden you find out they actually have throat cancer <laughs> and it's not the knee that's their issue because you got to see them, you know, and that, I mean, that sounds a little stretch, but that might that's, have been a little bit of a stretch, but that that's, that's our life every day. Yeah. Right. To, to see each other and not see past, not just to see the symptoms, to see the root cause, to see the root cause. Is totally. this person coming in because they're sick or do they, are they coming in because they're lonely? I'm wondering if you're not practicing pharmacy over in Illinois. Oh, I am. I'm a compound pharmacist. I've been grinding up some of my own stuff. Grinding up a few things out here in Montana. I got some minerals I'm putting in there. Yes, I remember vividly when you first came to Dickinson and uh, you were visiting one of your parishioners that was on hospice and couldn't swallow the medication. And um, you had had thrown out the fact that I could put anything into a topical rug, rub. I, right. I bring that story up on occasion um, just because it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. I always, I still tell people the story as well. I said he could put anything into a rub. Absolutely. <laughs> and he still can. Now, only half of it works. Sometimes it doesn't work as a rub, but he can put it into one. <laughs> you're, right? you're correct. On I, can, I can make a rub with anything. That's, that's, that's correct. correct. Yeah. Some it won't absorb, but... Yeah. But it is, it's so important, I think, Steve, to uh, see the, to your listeners, to the podcast, you know, obviously they're listening to this podcast because they find it helpful to talk about their own mental health, physical health, uh, spiritual health, um, to be able to, to, to see that we are a temple of God. Um, we're all going to die, but that doesn't mean we just treat our bodies as garbage, that our bodies mean something to God and to us. And that we're united, body and soul and mind. And so uh, we just don't throw a body away, right? We believe in the resurrection, that we're going to get our bodies back. Uh, but also, the flip side is we shouldn't be so afraid of death. That uh, since we've been born, we've been dying. And we're on that path. We're on our path now to eternal life. And, uh, and I think that's important to, for us to remember. Keeping the perspective that we do our best. But there's no avoiding the fact that we're going to physically die. Exactly. And I think, yep. I think we're afraid to look at that sometimes. For sure. So that kind of is a great lead-in question to, you know, Holy Week and Easter. Um, what kind of uh, message would you like to leave the listeners as we kind of wrap this up for Easter? Yeah, Holy Week is beautiful. Huh? A week that we call holy in a very particular way we 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 do more intentionally. Uh, for a week, what we should be doing all the time, but it's supposed to aware, raise our awareness, you know, Holy Thursday, that Jesus, you know, loves us so much that he leaves us his very self 
in, in one sense, huh? becoming a baby was quite amazing that God became a human, a baby. But then he comes becomes even smaller, we believe as Catholics, that then he becomes our food, right? He held, hides himself behind the appearance of bread and wine, that he becomes that small to stay with us and to feed us at our deepest level. He feeds us so that we live eternally. Uh, and then we wash feet on Holy Thursday to show that if we want to help one another, serving one another is the best way to look for ways to help each other uh, and not look past. Everyone wants to be seen. And I think that's what's beautiful about Holy Thursday, the washing of feet, trying to help people to see that uh, that you're seen. And people still, a lot of people still say no to having their feet washed. It's still disgusting, you know, and uh, feet are kind of gross, but that's what's nice. Jesus goes to the the the, the place that we would be, you know, not wanting him to wash. Uh, good Friday, obviously, huh? It's good because he dies for us. And it's a more somber day uh, to remind ourselves that that we're loved, and that we're loved just as we are, and that if we were the only person in the world, just as we are, he still would die for us. That's what we mean to him. And then that Good Friday uh, or Holy Saturday, where everything is dead, uh, there's nothing. Uh, the actor of the sacraments is dead. We celebrate that in a very particular way. But human death doesn't kill God. And so he rises from the dead. Um, during the night in the dark uh, as the sun rises. Um, and and then we celebrate for 50 days this belief that uh, death isn't the final answer and that uh, he's, he kills death by using death. So he swallows up death by death. And the evil one thinks, now I got him. He's dead. And just when he thinks he's got him, uh, he uses that death to then rise to new life, to destroy the evil one, right? To finally, Adam and Eve picked off the tree when they weren't supposed to, and now Jesus dies on a tree. Um, they're in the garden where it's heaven, right? Eden, and he has to go to the garden of Gethsemane, right? Uh, where it's, he suffers in, the, in a garden and still chooses uh, God's will for him. And uh, the evil one brings death into the world, by that first choice, and Jesus brings new life, and that now we don't die forever. Now we have eternal life, and uh, in a very real way, before we were human, and after we become supernatural. So he takes us back, not to Adam and Eve, but greater than Adam and Eve, um, and that's what we experience uh, during the Easter season, this new life, that life comes from death, um, it comes out of it if we're willing. And, you know, you look at nature again. You put a seed into the earth and it dies. And out of that dead seed comes a whole plant with way more seeds than the one seed. And if you pull a, a, a whole plant of wheat out of the ground or any plant and you look into the roots, you'll see that little shell of the seed, uh, which is us, a symbol of us that uh, we're going to have new life. And look how much greater that plant is than that one seed. And our, our body laid in death, in the earth, is going to have a whole new life. So I'm excited. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, joining me. This is a lot of fun. I'm, um, it's an honor to have, have you on the podcast. And um, I'm sure your words are going to be comforting to many. And um, just just uh, appreciate appreciate your friendship. 
Absolutely. It's great to visit with you, Steve. And I miss you and Carolyn, your girls. And I miss Dickinson. I was there nine years at St. Patrick's and they were a wonderful nine years. Um, that's where I got my white spots. They started in Dickinson uh, that I have in my head. And uh, now it's mostly gray, so you can't really see them. I've kind of melded in pretty nice now. It's just pretty one nice white spot. But I, I, it's a very St. Patrick's and Dickinson still holds a very dear place in my heart. I think of it often. In fact, I have a, a photo up in my uh, my room upstairs of the church that we renovated together. And and uh, no, the, the St. Pat's is a special place, as is Dickinson. There's beautiful faith there. Uh, beautiful things happening. And I know uh, you do great work, Steve, at your pharmacy, following after your dad's footsteps there. Um, uh, you know, handing it on within the family is a beautiful thing. So keep up, keep up your good ministry as well. Right? It's not just work, uh, but it is a real ministry to help people uh, to, uh, to take, to, to embrace uh, their body, mind and spirit and uh, not fight one against the other. Uh, but to kind of give in and uh, become a whole person. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, podcast listeners, if you've listened this far, uh, your reward once again is 25% off the supplement of your choice using the code Bishop Vetter Podcast for telephone and in-person orders at the pharmacy. So Thank you again, Bishop. I appreciate your time. I hope you have a blessed Easter and great Holy Week, too. Thank you. You, too. You as well. Do I get the 25% off some supplements? I think think I'm going to send you some out. I don't know that I'm – I think yours might be a little bit deeper discount than that. Yeah, grind me some stuff up and put it in a salve. I'll rub it on my feet. All right. All right. You guys all take care. Yeah. As always, be vigilant about your health. God bless you all. As always, be vigilant about your health.